Hello, everyone. I'm Ross Brown from the Southwest Cyber Resilience Centre. I would like to welcome you all to the latest in a series of the podcasts from the SWCRC. Don't worry if you haven't caught all of the podcasts, as you can access them via our website, which is www.swcrc.co.uk, or through Buzzsprout. If you and your business haven't joined us yet, don't forget our core membership is absolutely free. And we provide you with national cybersecurity products to help keep your business safe online. This podcast is titled Responding to a Ransomware Attack, an Introduction to Threat Actors Comms. And I'm really grateful uh, and I'm really thrilled to welcome uh, Govinda Demon. Govinda is a senior digital forensics incident response analyst based out of Kivu's London office. Uh, with extensive experience in cybersecurity, particularly around digital forensics, incident response, security consulting, threat hunting, cyber intelligence, and proactive computer, computer network defense solutions and services. He has worked in a variety of industries, including retail, insurance, medical, technology, and government. Govinda has received multiple awards throughout his career for his technical skills and outstanding client relationship management. So, as I say, Govinda, you are really welcome, and uh, I've got, we've got a whole host of uh, stuff to get through the, uh, the, this afternoon. Uh, so, can you uh, tell you, I mean, obviously I've announced your bio, but can you tell us a little, little bit more about yourself? Sure, yeah. My name's Govinda. I've been working in the cybersecurity industry now for just over several years. I've worked at BT, IBM, Raytheon, and Kivu Consulting. I've had a real mixture of roles. I've been an InfoSec analyst, a cybersecurity consultant, and a SOC lead. In my current role at Kiwi, I'm a senior digital forensics incident response consultant. Great. Can you tell us a little bit about Kiwi Consulting? Uh, because obviously, you know, that's what we sort of want to talk about this afternoon, and your current role. Yeah, sure. Kiwi Consulting is a world-class cybersecurity services business. It's been operating since around 2009. We have covered thousands of client engagements and we have prepared vendor status with 60 plus cyber insurance carriers. In my current role, I mainly work within three primary areas. These are ransomware response, business email compromise incidents, and counter extortion threat intelligence, or what we call SETI. Our service catalog is focused on three primary areas, advisory, managed, and response. Within these areas, we offer digital forensics and incident response, recovery and transformation, counter extortion, threat intelligence, cyber advisory, and managed security services. Thanks, Govinda. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, those three areas? Sure. With ransomware response, we are contacted by clients who have suffered a compromise and need our help to identify what's happened, when it's happened, and how it's happened. In the majority of these cases, we perform a digital forensics investigation of their system and provide them with a report with our findings. We also provide a client with a set of security recommendations to assist them in mitigating the point of compromise to stop a threat actor getting back in through the entry point. In regards to the business email compromise cases, we're brought into an engagement where the client's email environment has been compromised. Again, we have to form analysis of their email environment to identify what's happened, when it's happened, and how it's happened. In regards to SETI, this is a highly relevant today due to the volume of ransomware attacks that companies are experiencing on a daily basis. As a money services business, Kivu are one of only a handful of companies that can manage, facilitate and pay a ransom, usually in Bitcoin. 
We perform detailed due diligence and a number of OFAC checks to ensure payments are not being sent to sanctioned entities. In connection with these services, we also provide dark web monitoring, which we recommend clients use as we monitor the dark web for any data leakage. Okay, that, that sounds great. And I really like um, the, the, the point you made um, at, at the beginning of, of that particular statement was about making sure um, that you, you stop any gaps once they've been attacked. So, because I know we've, we've, we've heard that, you know, two or three months down the line, once a company's been attacked, and they go, the, the hackers will go back in in exactly the same route. Okay, so what is a typical day like for you, Govinda? That's a really good question. A typical day for me could be working on a business email compromise case in the morning. I could then be scoping a new case matter with a client in the afternoon. And throughout the day, I may be performing attacker comms. Our days are really varied as we offer a lot of services. So every day is very different. Okay, so attacker comms, what are those? So that's when a company has suffered a ransomware incident and they need us to speak to the attackers. So we usually go in there and we negotiate with the threat actor, for example, if the client requires a decryption tool. I see. Um, So can you talk us through some of the most recent ransomware variants that you've worked with? Sure. In the most recent cases, we worked with Lockbit, Quanti, and Black Cat ransomware. And, and how do they differ one from the one from the other? Um, they differ in terms of the negotiation strategies, and also in terms of the decryption tools. Um, with Black Cat, we see them providing multiple decryptors for multiple different environments. So each um, variant is slightly different. Okay. So if we look at um, a a SETI engagement where a client has found a ransom note on their system and want to get a decryptor, can you you talk us through um, what you would do for them? Yeah, sure. So there are a number of steps that we follow. Um, Typical process is the client contacts us. They say they found a ransom note on the system. We have a scoping call with the client. We find out how the ransomware has impacted their environment. For example, how many devices have been affected? We will then talk the client through the advantages of contacting the threat actor, and we'll provide them with some threat intelligence on the threat actor group based on our previous experiences. We then work with the client to come up with an objective and most appropriate strategy given the current situation. We've had some cases, for example, where the client just wants to buy time. They want time in order to complete their recovery. We have had other cases where a client wants a decryption tool, so we help them purchase this. The next step really for us is to get a copy of that ransom note and a few encrypted file samples. We then begin the process of reaching out to the threat actor. This involves getting the demand amount, getting proof of decryption, finding out which files may have been taken. We will then begin negotiating with the threat actor to try and get the best price for the customer. Once we have agreed a price, we will then send the payment to the threat actor. We then are sent a decryptor by the threat actor, and we then test the decryptor for backdoors and determine its reliability. Once we've determined this, we will then release it to the customer. And in most cases, we then go ahead and perform dark web monitoring. In all ransom cases we've worked on, it's important to stress, we always recommend a forensic investigation is completed to find out how the threat actor got in and what data they may have taken. 
how, how does that um, sit alongside a police investigation? Um, in regards to the police investigation, I know that the incident is logged with them. Um, I do believe the police force do have many, many cases um, that they're currently investigating. So I think usually from our forensic investigation, we share the indicators of compromise with the police. And I believe these are logged. Right. So, so you're still uh, advocating uh, people, notwithstanding the, the work that you can do, you're still advocating that people do contact the police when, they, uh, when they've been attacked? Yes, I definitely recommend that. It's all about sharing indicators of compromise and threat intelligence. It's very important that law enforcement are made aware of incidents. Okay, thanks. So, uh, I mean, it's quite, it's quite a, a lengthy process. How, how long is that likely to take? Because I know sometimes... Um, you know, speed is of the essence if people can't access systems or customer databases or whatever else may have been affected. Yeah, in regards to the SETI service, um, we can be quite flexible depending on the client schedule. We've had some uh, clients who want access to the data straight away and we've managed to complete the negotiations, the OFAC checks and the payment within 48 hours. We've also had other clients who want us to take things really slow they want time to see what, what's happened to their systems and how they can recover. I would say on average, it probably takes around seven to 10 working days to complete. Okay. Um, so what, what do you think are the most common issues you've come across when performing the uh, Threat Act cons? Well, believe it or not, we've had a couple of cases where we've reached out to the Threat actor and not had a reply. Um, we've had some cases where the wrong ransom note has been left on the system. And there have been other cases where the threat actor are simply unable to provide a working decryptor. So um, this is a bit of a pain. So obviously in, the, in, the, in those cases, nothing can be done because nobody's answering you. Yeah, so in those cases, um, we do have a, quite a large cyber threat intelligence database here at Kiwi. So um, we do reach out to other contacts who are associated with that group. Um, it has happened a few times and we have managed to be persistent and get a response in the end. Oh, I mean, it, it, it sounds uh, funny, doesn't it, that, that, that you, know, you, you try and speak to a threat actor and, and there's no response. I mean, clearly it isn't funny because obviously you know, somebody's business is lying in tatters. Um, but but what, can you think of any, any sort of reasons that, that that would take place? Yeah, so there could be a couple of reasons. Um, you have to remember the threat actors are just like us. They do go on holidays. They do have time away. Um, another example could be they've lost access, for example, to that email account. So within the ransom note, they sometimes put down an email address and sometimes they just lose access to that. So they can't get back in touch with us. Uh, OK. Um, in the cases you work on, do customers have good security controls in your experience? I think, Unfortunately, in a lot of cases we work on, we don't see any security controls or really only basic controls implemented before an attack. Okay, well, why do you think that is? I think this could be down to the financial cost of implementing these controls and possibly the culture of the company. A lot of organizations don't think they'll get hit with a cyber attack, so why invest in something that appears to give you no return? It's unfortunate that it's not until an attack happens does a company understand that cyber controls are something you must have and is not an optional. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly we, we, we look at um, you know, people using cyber and, and silo working uh, and how it has to be spread across the whole um, sphere of, of, of operations in a business. Um, but we, we certainly do come across that. 
Um, during these engagements, uh, where do you get your threat intelligence from? Because that's always quite important. Yeah, so we use a range of open source threat intelligence, and we also have access to paid threat intelligence platforms. But one of the key sources of our threat intelligence is our own database. Um, as we perform our own threat actor comms, we can collect this intelligence firsthand. Okay, in these engagements, what payment method is used by uh, the threat actor? In almost all the cases we've worked on, we see the threat actor accepts a Bitcoin. However, in some recent cases, the threat actors are now asking for payment in Monero, and they're even providing a discount if you pay in this currency. What's the, what's the difference between uh, Monero and, and Bitcoin? Well, Bitcoin uses a public blockchain and is traceable to some extent. Monero uses a non-public or private blockchain that makes it difficult to trace or to attribute transactions. Monero is known as an anonymity-enhanced cryptocurrency, which the Department of Justice considers to be high-risk activity that is indicative of possible criminal conduct. With that being said, we only facilitate payments in Bitcoin. And is it, it's because of that um, Department of, of Justice um, uh, attributing criminal conduct to, to that Monero. Yeah, e exactly. In the cases where you have paid, how reliable has the decryptor been? Because I know, again, we've, we've heard horror stories of you know, people paying um, the, the, the ransom and then still not getting access to their files and their systems, or indeed paying a ransom and then being re-ransomed um, or double-ransomed to actually um, not have their... their um, uh, private files published on the internet? Yeah, this really depends on the variant and how well programmed the ransomware is. We've had cases with smaller threat actor groups where the ransom variant was very poorly coded and it's actually corrupted more files than have been encrypted. We usually see large database files becoming corrupt as adrenaline in use when being encrypted. With the bigger ransomware groups like Black Cat, Conti and Lockbit, their decryptors are usually quite successful. Okay, so what general recommendations would you make to clients so that they can protect themselves from ransomware attacks in the future? Well, from what I've seen, I'd recommend companies implement security awareness training just to make users aware of different cyber attacks such as phishing. I'd also highly recommend that backups are kept offline and completely separate. Also, it's important to know everything in your network. You need to know what's out there. I'd also recommend maintaining a patching schedule and only using remote services when necessary. One important point to make is also around multi-factor authentication. This is really important to have. And finally, an EDR solution with 24-7 monitoring is really important as well. Okay, sorry, just, just remind us if you would, um, EDR? Yeah, endpoint detection and response. Okay, and then what, what does that do? Um, so it's an agent that sits on a machine and it analyzes behaviors of processes and files on the device. So um, if anything malicious is happening, it uh, gets flagged and then that goes to a SOC where an analyst will investigate that alert. Right. Okay. But then that, 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 that's, that, that's kind. Well, Govinda, I mean, it's been a fascinating talk um, uh, on this cast. Really, really fascinating. Um, is there anything that we've missed out that you feel is absolutely vital for the listeners to uh, to hear? I think if you are thinking of making a ransom payment or going down that avenue, I think leave it to the professionals. 
um, doing the negotiations and doing these checks, um, they are something that you need to have experience with. At the end of the day, you don't want to pay a sanctioned entity. So it's really important that you get a professional company to assist you. Good advice. Thanks very much indeed, Govinda. Um, if you've got any questions about um, the topics we've, we've covered in this cast, please uh, give us an email at inquiries at swcrc.co.uk and we'll endeavour to answer them. Uh, if it's uh, all the technical stuff, we can certainly pass it on to the Govinda uh, and uh, I'm sure he'll, he'll help as well. So all that remains to do is thank you, Govinda, very much indeed. It's been, a, as I say, fascinating talk uh, on, on this cast. Uh, and thank you, the audience, for joining us. Uh, we hope you catch up with our next podcast because it's coming soon. Don't forget, if you haven't already joined us as a free call member, just go to our website, www.swcrc.co.uk, and you'll get National Cybersecurity Centre products that will help you keep your business safer online. <laughs>